Everyone, welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. I am your host, Christopher Page, once again joined by my fantastic co-host, Matt Flynn. I'm only okay. My opinion, you're great. Okay. Awesome. It's been a fantastic year so far. We are officially going off on our second year now. Yeah. If we finish our first year, we're starting our second year. However, I think I said that right. Makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you've been a fantastic co-host. So thank you very much for this. Uh, for this. We didn't really mention I think the last episode was officially the launch of our second year, and we didn't really just kind of forgot to mention it. Yeah. We're excited about talking about our, our bad movies. Our bad movies. And I made a mistake last time. Uh, I had to go back and, and double check this. So when we were talking about the movie The Chase, mm-hmm. I said, oh, that movie is because of everything that went on with OJ. Nope. Was that pre-OJ? Several months. Oh, oh really? Oh, but Several I, months. Not by that much, though. Yeah. I don't know why. I think because in my head, for whatever reason, I thought everything that happened with OJ happened in 92. My history was just off. So, still a ridiculous movie. Oh, maybe OJ saw the chase. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it inspired him. <laughs> well, yes, we are starting our second year of podcasting here. It has been fantastic. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, we did talk about some of our favorite bad movies last time, so we're going to talk about one of our uh, picks from our lists here in a little bit. Before we do that, we do have some news items and stuff. Um, I'll start uh, with a couple sad notes, of course, because we can't seem to get away without having a couple deaths since the last time we recorded. Uh, a bit of a legendary filmmaker, Toby Hooper, passed away. First we lost Romero, now we lost, lost Toby Hooper. Um, again, a fairly young, he was only 74, which by today's standards is, is a pretty uh, early age to be you know, dropping out. Yeah. He's, of course, uh, most well-known for, like, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. You know, where we said Romero kind of changed the face of, of modern horror. Toby Hooper kind of picked up the baton and ran with it. Yeah, changed <laughs> it further. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those films. It, I think it's a little misunderstood, but not in the way that some people might think when I say that. Yeah. Uh, I hear a lot of people, a lot of other filmmakers who say they were inspired by Toby Hooper and his Texas Chainsaw and everything. And the film that you watch is then this gore fest, splatter fest, you know, gross. And I'm like, that's honestly not what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. Right. I, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is really gory in your mind. Yeah, they they actually don't show that much. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of blood, but it's not like flying across the screen. Um, A lot of stuff just happens behind like a scary door and Mm -hmm. you just start thinking about it. And that movie, um, you know, it it subverts all your expectations. You know, that that starts with like the, the most fit cool guy goes down first and you're just sort of like well these people are screwed if he's <laughs> was he sh- in any other movie he's the hero who's getting them out and instead it just becomes this really suspenseful movie and that's just all just Toby Hooper making sure it, it stayed on that track yeah he really focused on the terror rather than the um, I guess the gross out yeah. I, I don't know what the best word the visceral or whatever right and then every sequel since then kind of forgot that yeah yeah and then I think that's why it has that reputation but if people sit down and watch the original it's not what you're expecting at all he of course uh, went on to do the uh, TV movie Salem's Lot which is by uh, many people's standards kind of one of the um, best vampire stories also uh, directed Poltergeist. Yeah, uh, I think Poltergeist. I think it was written by Spielberg, directed by Hooper. Uh, another one that uh, you know just kind of sends shivers down your spine when you watch it. <laughs> right. Kind of movie. And then uh, Life Force '85, which is the one that I think um, doesn't get quite as much love as it deserves. It's not the best movie, but if nothing else, it's got Matilda May completely naked through. A, Surprisingly, only actually like five minutes of the <laughs> film, but it's what everyone remembers. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so very sad. I mean, his later works, a lot of people have said that haven't. Re- he's never really been able to kind of grasp the uh, the torch that he lit with the Texas Chainsaw in his earlier works. But you know, you, you always wonder if there was that one more in, in, you know in his belt that he could have come up with yeah uh, some idea that he just couldn't get off the ground yeah exactly yep no shame 
Uh, one other death that happened is just a little more uh, closer to me. Uh, Richard Anderson uh, passed away at the age of 91. He had a very long life, most famous for being Oscar Goldman and the $6 million man in the Bionic Woman series. But his career goes back into the, I think, the late 40s or early 50s. Uh, of course, he appeared in The Forbidden Planet, but he also would uh, do uh, parts on television and things, everything from Dynasty to Murder, She Wrote, to The Rifleman. I mean, all over the board. But yeah, uh, Oscar Goldman is probably his most famous role. Really super nice guy from what I understand. I never got a chance to meet him. Uh, he was still doing conventions up to a few years ago. That's impressive. And you know, everything that I've read just says that he was incredibly gracious and just really pleased that that everyone came out to see him and he just real appreciative of everybody's fandom for and for the roles that he did and for what he gave us so mm. yeah heart goes out to us family and everything and you know thank you richard anderson yeah sort of a death and a birth at the same time maybe disney announced that they are going to re- be removing marvel and star wars from netflix uh starting i think in 2019 yeah they're removing everything and and it was the marvel and star wars stuff that people said well maybe they'll leave that their netflix is negotiating to leave those things but nope those are jumping ship too as disney is launching its own streaming service around that time yeah, uh, it seems like everyone's trying to launch their own streaming services now. And you know, we talked about the, the what the future of of media, television, and and everything's going to look like. And it, it's starting to look like it's going to look like exactly the same, just a little different. Yeah. Instead of, instead of flipping channels, you're just going to be flipping from one service to another. And the problem is that is a market that won't be able to sustain itself because if everybody's got the ten dollar a month streaming service. You're not going to be able to save money unless you're saying, well, I'm just not going to have that. I'm not going to have that. Um, part of it is because I think, you know, Netflix and now like Hulu and, and even Amazon, they're coming up with their own original content. So you can kind of look at them as a, as a station, as a channel, whereas if they were just cherry picking different things to put in, maybe it would have stayed that way. But now people are you know picking up Netflix for those things, for those right. shows. And... If everyone does it, I think it's going to collapse on itself. I heard one person make a joke. They go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a platform where uh, I, I combine all of the other streaming services and I sell it to you in a box at a discount. Wait, that's a cable provider. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking is that's the – inevitably that's where it's going to go. And then it's like, well, so we didn't change. Nothing's right. changed. It's just – it streams now. Yeah, exactly. And it, the, the names change, but everything else stays the same. Yeah. Don't know how it's going to play out, but it, it could it, it could end up, you know, just the, the snake eating its own tail kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I think because it's Disney, because they have such a huge library, they can get away with it, but it's going to make everyone else go, can we too? And it's like, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. You're going to affect the whole thing. Yeah, and I'm still, I mean, I do stream some stuff. I've enjoyed, like, Amazon Prime. I've, I've dabbled in the Netflix and everything. But for the most part, honestly, you know, I'm a physical media person still. Um, I'll just order a lot of the stuff from the library. If I have to wait a couple weeks for it to show up, so be it. But I'm not, I just don't feel like I should have to pay extra money. I'll buy, if I really want to watch it, I'll buy something. Right. You know, I'll buy the disc, I'll buy the DVD, I'll buy the Blu-ray. But I don't feel like I should have to subscribe to something just because I want to watch this particular movie. And, like, maybe I'll find something else on there, too. Uh, that's that's the part. I mean, we got uh, CBS All Access has got the new Star Trek series coming. And I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty, but I'm not paying for it. Right. I, sorry. I just – I'm not going to do it. I'll wait till you – if you eventually put it out on DVD or, you know, when the season's done or whatever, a year from now, two years from now. Or you decide to let Amazon Prime or something have it. That's when I'll watch it. But other than that, I, was, I saw somebody uh, comment. is like, do you want pirating? Because that's how you get pirating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if that's, that's your only point. access to something like that, that's what happens. I right. mean, look at like Game of Thrones and, and everything those, on HBO. And those shows, you have to subscribe. You have to pay for that particular channel. And those are the things that seem to get pirated the most. Absolutely. And especially as physical media will start being weeded out don't know when but you know a lot of places are already doing it like netflix doesn't put a lot of their best shows out 
right on dvd so yeah those can get in people i th- i think pirating would be easier if everything was streaming because it's like hey now i just have access to it on my computer i can record it off of my computer right. it's already in the high definition i can get it out there quicker mm-hmm. so i think you'll just see a bigger uptick in pirating as physical media starts to go not that we encourage or condone the idea of pirating but yeah that it is out there and that's what happens and but you know, it's got to be it's got to be tough for the providers because advertising is yeah. tough to get now, and it, it's tough to sell your product with, like on television, on, on regular network or broadcast. You know, if you can fast forward through it, you're going to. You're not watching the ads. You're finding every way you can to not watch ads. So you know, what do they do? They've got to make their money somehow, or else they're not going to be able to produce the content. They're gonna. You're gonna start probably seeing this. Is- Maybe uh, you'll start seeing ads in the show, you sure, know, like yeah. the character stops to yeah. just be like, I need a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that scene, you ever yeah. see the Truman show when all of a sudden she just stops and she starts talking about the cocoa. I've seen uh, things like that will happen. I, I think you can do that sometimes and it's, it's subtle enough that it's not obvious. I've <laughs> seen some that are not done as well. I used to watch the show uh, Fringe on Fox and they would, go, of course, get in their nice, shiny, brand new, I don't remember what kind of car it is, and they would make a big point of, okay, where is this place? Oh, all we got to do is plug it into the whatever uh, blah, blah, blah you know, GPS system that's here on the, in the car. I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't just get the bat out and hit me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll see things like on The Walking Dead, oh, my gosh, we found a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> Everyody getting happy, passing the Snickers bar around like it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. What do you got? Any news on your end? Uh, on my end is uh, the news that I think everybody heard. It was um, Colin Trevorrow out as the director of Star Wars Episode Nine, <laughs> which I didn't expect to happen. But um, they have been ditching a lot of directors for Star Wars movies ever since Disney got a hold of them. Um, Josh Trank uh, was working on an untitled, unknown solo movie. A lot of rumors that it may have been a Boba Fett movie, whether it would have been like him growing up or him after like escaping the Sarlacc pit. We don't know. Just know that uh, they parted ways with him and abandoned that project. Uh, we talked about um, Phil and Lord out of the Han Solo movie and Ron Howard taking over. And um, apparent, I didn't know this until you know everyone started talking about Colin Trevorrow. Was uh, Gareth Edwards, who is still credited as having doing Rogue One. Um, they he also was kicked out after principal photography, and he was not doing the reshoots. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he was technically fired, but just because he had shot most of it, he got the directing credit. Hmm. And then as people dug a little further, apparently there were issues with J.J. Abrams and Disney towards the end of the force awakens and he just sort of just got under the line wow and because the movie was done you know he went on all the the, the press tours and he put on a good face and it, there's a good relationship there now mm-hmm. but it's just sort of like what's going on at disney that yeah, they're kinda, kicking I, all their directors out i'm assuming some time is going to have to pass before some of these people start telling their stories because obviously they don't want to i mean you, you don't want to tick off the mouse i guess yeah but eventually what is happening will come out i'm going to be really curious to know what it is that disney you know what issues were being had you know they always say that all creative differences and stuff like that like well what does that mean yeah do they does the director were they going into what we would consider the right direction and disney wanted to make sure that they had something they could sell uh you know can we put this character in there (laughs) right (laughs) sell a toy oh yeah and what i keep hearing and i don't know how much truth there is but it a lot of people are saying that if you aren't on board with kathleen kennedy who's pretty much running everything you're gonna have a hard time you know keeping your job and that um you know having like one bad encounter with her can get you fired and apparently what i've I've been reading about colin trevorrow is um he's very difficult to work with Mm -hmm. that he kind of has this big ego because he was directly hired by steven spielberg to do jurassic world and so he kind of just 
lorded that over everybody. And when that information came to light... Not exactly the film that I would... I, okay. Right. <laughs> that was like during production, and he was just oh, like, you know, Spielberg hired me, you gotta do what I say, mm-hmm. and that he wasn't an easy director to work with, and then so... If if that's true, I don't fault Kathleen Kennedy at all. I wouldn't want that person running you no, know, episode not. nine, which is supposed to be, you know, that's the payoff. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole point. That's where everything's heading. You don't want someone coming in and, you know, being a jerk to your, your actors who've now been working together. On, you know, this would be the third movie together just because this guy thinks he's, you know, top dog in town. I, I wonder where some of the issues lie. Yes, that, that could be the case that maybe he's just being a jerk on set or whatever. But how much is it that he's being a jerk? This, this is supposed to be the payoff. This is going to be the, you know, this is going to tie it all up. This is going to be the end. And Disney's going, yeah, but what if we want to do a tenth? <laughs> right. They'll absolutely do a tenth. But in terms of just this is that trilogy, this is that arc that, you know, this is when it'll come to an end. And the tenth movie could be ten minutes later. 100 years later, it's Star Wars. You can do whatever you want. Um, they could do it like another 30-year jump. Uh, who you know? But this is the end of that arc. And if he's the kind of guy who's like, you know, I'm the most important person in, in the room, it's like, well, maybe you should go then. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with some of these actors who have, you know, they know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine there's probably, there could be a lot of ego clashing. Uh, I think most of the actors that are working on the star wars films are have settled down a little bit you know from but i'm sure that if you rub them the wrong way they're gonna go look i know what i've been doing i did this before you were born (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so there's just a lot of rumor out there who could take over because you know that movie's just over two years away Mm mm-hmm so you kind of got to get to work. You need a director. You need someone who's going to come in and know what the script is and know how they want to plan it and meet with everybody. And you got to start filming now right. almost. And so some people are saying Ryan Johnson might take over since he just did episode eight. Some people are saying maybe J.J. Abrams will come back and finish it off. But uh, don't know yet. Don't know why Disney can't hold on to their directors. <laughs> It's weird because they don't have this problem with the Marvel movies. They don't, you know, they there have been a few people who've left projects, but it's not like left and right. Right. So I don't get it. Interesting. Yeah, we shall see, and we'll see how if any of this affects actually Disney itself. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're big enough that it does. It doesn't matter what kind of reputation they get. And you're you're going to go ahead and sign on and just hope for the best. But yeah. Hope you can, you can make it through. You so survive. your, yeah. your <laughs> names in the credits. Exactly. Or at least enough. Right. <laughs> I, I, all right. I filled 75%. I feel pretty good about this. <laughs> yeah. I at least got a co co-directing. <laughs> Gareth Edwards said it would work. Just get through most of it. Right. Okay, is that all you got on the news? Then? That's all I have. All right, I think that is enough. We are going to take a short break here, and when we get back, we're going to talk about Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. Flash Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Now it's three, three, three apocalypses in one. Suffering from tough, stuck-on humans? Well, twenty hellish hours of suffocation in the all-encompassing web of Carwick the Spider God will get them right out. Too many brains lying around? The ravenous mouths surrounding zombie-fighting Ruby will quickly clean those up. Nosy neighbors, infect them with the murder plague, and watch as they dissolve into paranoid maniacs bent on the preemptive assassination of their friends and family. Why stop at one end of the world when you can have all three? You can find them all at flashpulp.com or search for them on iTunes. We are back. Okay, this was actually a film off my honorable mention list. 
Um, but we decided to take a look at it. I just, I just had a feeling it was a film that you, you know, you said you hadn't seen, you knew about it, yes, but you had been kind of curious to mm-hmm. watch it. You just never have. So I thought like, this is a film I think he needs to see. I like, I want it. I wanted to get you to see it so you could give your opinion on it. Um, I always start out just overall, did you enjoy the movie? I loved the first 20 minutes, and then it really fell off from there. Okay. It just took a really hard nosedive, pun intended. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, the right. first 20 minutes, I got, I like, you know, my eyes were wide. I felt like a kid in the movie theater for the first time. I was just sort of like, you know, this is different. This is exciting. This looks so stylized and fun. And then it just sort of stopped doing that. It just, I, somewhere around 20, 30 minutes, somewhere around the second battle in the city with, uh, like, the, the, the flying bird ship thing. You don't things. like the big bat ships? I, it, it's somewhere around that moment, it, the movie stopped being what it was. Because it, it started with, you know, I, I really love, like, that use of color. Everything was kind of, like... Just a hint of grainy with, um, you know, like that that yellow tint to it where it's it, you, you can tell it's not in black and white, but it's almost in black and white. Kind of almost a sepia tone yeah, effect or something. Exactly. And, you know, just the look of it all and how I, I, I get exactly what you were saying about how the whole thing was just shot, like when that blue screen effect, mm-hmm. the entire thing is like, it's just the actors. Like, that must have been hard to do to just walk around and see blue wherever you went. Yeah. But they did it, and it looked wonderful. And then you got, like, that old editing style of, like, you know, with the the newspaper rolling up Mm -hmm. and, you know, somebody looking one way, but there's an entirely different image behind them because you're shooting all of these different shots at the same time and you're imposing them on top of each other. And that just kept happening, and I loved it. And and the the signal goes out to Sky Captain, and you see the giant antenna, and you see the radio wave. And (laughs) my wife was sitting next to me. She goes, this is awesome. (laughs) And they just stopped doing that kind of stuff stuff mm. they they just turned it into an, an, action, an action movie and i'm like where did that go i mm. get you don't necessarily have to do the whole like you know flash you know here's the news but you could find some way to keep that old look going and they just sort of abandoned it hmm. and, interesting and that's what was pulling me in and then i was like where, where'd it go like what, what'd you do get, get back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess after that point, yeah, you're right. It does turn into just sort of an action film, but it's a very particular style of action film. Yeah. I mean, it is very Pulp Fiction. Not, not Pulp Fiction the movie, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely like, not. Pulp, <laughs> pulp comic, you know, the old... Uh, uh, yeah. The, the serials from the 40s, uh, the, the comic books from the, the, the 40s. Mm-hmm. And then, it, it, I mean, it certainly keeps within that um, genre... Or that uh, that theme, but you're right. You kind of lose. You kind of. I don't. Know, did at any point did they do? They did the uh, like the overlay, the map with the line, didn't they? They they did the plane. They didn't do the line. They did like, yeah. They they showed like the plane flying over the mountains, and you could see the map like the dividing right. lines. I thought that was kind of cool. That was like the one moment they went back to that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just off of Indiana Jones a little bit. Right. Yeah. And I thought like, okay, that's cool. Oh, wait, we're done again. Okay. <laughs> Now, I should uh, correct myself a little bit. I thought this predated the Star Wars sequels, and it was actually the vice versa. It's kind of like Wars, right in the middle of it. Yeah, Episode One actually came out in 99. Yes. I, I completely... Forget how long ago. It's almost yeah, 20 years. Yeah, it's been a long time ago. So I guess the, the, the Star Wars prequels were the first films to really Use embrace the, the green screen set. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Green screen's been used for, for years, green or blue screen or whatever, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, the prequels were the first ones that really embraced the, okay, here's our actors, and you're in a giant green room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this one, you're right, just kind of comes in right in the middle of it. Um, so that, um, again, it's one of those things where it, it makes me wonder, okay, what were they thinking then kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think the the one difference is, like, you get something like Star Wars, and they would you build part of the set, and it would be more of the background, whereas something like this, they said, it's just the actors. Yeah. Everything around them is from the screen. Yeah, I don't even think some of the floor was Right. They're this. just walking around. Uh, I read that this was a blue screen. I forgot about blue screen. You just hear mm-hmm. about green screen so much, right. but I remember, like, years ago, it's like, blue screen, blue screen, blue mm, screen. And all of a sudden, the screen turned green. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all you heard about. So I was like, all right, we used to have everything in blue screen. Yes, that's true. Um, but yeah, this was a blue screen effect, and the entire thing, it's like, you have your actors, 
they're in costume and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> they have a couple of props and that's it. And I just think like, hey, how do you how do you act? How do you look up at a at a robot? How do you how do you move around and just think I'm in this place? Like you've got to look at a lot of concept yeah. art. Yeah, there's probably a, a lot of guys with big like fishing poles with tennis balls. You know, I'm a monster. Over I'm a monster. <laughs> and this is what it looks like. Right. React to it. Yeah. Or something like it. We don't really know yet. Right. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it's it. It's big. It's scary. Go. <laughs> the thing that I found was surprising. This, you know. I think it's an okay movie. It's it's got some really great moments. It's got some good moments, and then it's got some that's kind of bad moments. So to me, it was kind of all over the map, depending on what part of the movie you want to talk about. But I was surprised the director of this movie, Kerry Conran, did nothing else. Yeah, I looked him up. He's he's got two shorts mm-hmm. to his his name, and that's it. Like who doesn't come along? And go you know something was there. This was this was brave. This was bold. A lot of movies were kind of working on this same effect at the same time, and he was part of it. Let's give him a shot with something different, at least. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising that a film like this too would get a uh, freshman director and then abandoned. Yeah, it's so on on both ends. It's it's surprising that you know he has nothing going into it and then nothing coming out of it. I mean, I would have come along and been like, you know what? Because I read that they shot it in 29 days. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the actors looked like they totally believed they were in this world. That's impressive. And uh, he did it like they had. They slashed his budget and they came under budget. And it's still bomb because it didn't make its money back. But it was made for like $50 million, something mm-hmm. like that. That's impressive. Give him something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a real budget. See what he can do. Everybody came along and said no. Like. There's something there. I, I would have given him at least one more shot. I think that's the saddest thing about this thing is, yes, it didn't have a huge budget by today's standards. And even by the, the you know, 2004's standards, yeah. it wasn't that huge. And still it couldn't make it back. Right. That's a shame. I, I asked the question about that because, you know, it, obviously it bombed. But then a lot of people, at least in my circle, I asked, talk about the film. They love the film. Mm. They really enjoy the movie. But it's like, okay, all these people like it. Why did it bomb? Right, you know. So I threw the question out. I got one response, and it's a really good one. Um, Rod Barnett from over on the Nashi cast there uh, piped in, said it's not. It's just not the kind of story that can be sold to a modern audience easily. There's a little broad interest in tales of this type, tales of this period, tales of this style. Movies that can draw a wide release crowd need to be more accessible. Sadly, the only, or more accessibly, sadly, the only way for such a film to have done well, I suppose, would have been for it to have somehow been a pre-sold property with some pulp culture knowledge built into the culture. It was too different to garner a large audience without some larger hook. So he's thinking the reason is just because it was based on these 1940s serial kind of thing. It's just it was just too grounded in what it was trying to kind of emulate yeah. that you just don't have that audience anymore. I mean, people go into the movies, you know, a sci-fi action film probably didn't watch the 1940 serials. Yeah. That's a good point that it, that it's not really coming off of a pre-existing property. I think mm-hmm. if it did, you would have had better results. That That's a great point. Even back then, like that, that was around the time period you started seeing people going less and less to more original ideas for, for what were in the theaters. And now we're kind of just, if it's not a franchise, I'm not going. Right. And that, you know, kind well, of kick started there. If it was something, I mean, this was also about the time that a lot of the video game movies and everything were kind of taking off. Yeah. And I wonder if they had found a way to do this type of style, this type of filming, and base it on a, a, a video game. Maybe it would have done a little better. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe the old the old Red Baron video game. Maybe that's going back too far. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, this would have made an excellent video game if you yeah, had yeah. turned this story into a video game. I would have played the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the casting? It's surprising when you said that about twenty thirty minutes into it. I'm thinking, oh, that's about the time Jude Law makes his appearance. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, what about the casting? That's one of the things that I think. For me, I enjoy a lot of this movie, but the one thing, the one like mark against it that I would give it was probably maybe being miscast. Certainly Jude Law, I don't think has the right, uh, 
I don't know. You're looking for like your big, th- you know, square jaw yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Bob McBeefcake. Yes. You know, <laughs> galactic, may... uh, galactic savior. Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah. The chemistry between him and G- Gwyneth Paltrow wasn't great. Um, cause he's, he's so much more, he's a great leading man, but like, this just isn't his role. And, you know, it didn't even have to be a known actor. It could have, it could have been anybody, but who just sort of fit that, you know, I'm, I'm one of the flying commando kind of guys, you know, that thing. Um, he wasn't terrible by any means, but it just, I don't know. There, there was something that was a little bit off between the two of them of like, we like each other. We don't like each other. We like each other. We don't like, we hate each other. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like bickering couple. It was just sort of like, did you forget the last scene? <laughs> like, why is she lying to him constantly? Right. <laughs> you know, it's not helping. <laughs> and I don't even understand why she's doing it. And I don't, I don't know. They were trying to paint them both as like strong, independent and as jerks. So you weren't really sure what side to be on with that argument. I don't know. It was. I think she was cast right. I don't think he was. She was passable. I, yeah. I don't have an issue with her. I wonder if it was a case of they needed somebody with a name that they that people might recognize, mm-hmm. c- considering what they were doing uh, story wise and style wise, and that if they brought in just some new nobody that no one had ever heard of before, a little bit like the director, <laughs> <laughs> it you know they they felt that it, it wouldn't have done. They just needed the name to put on the poster kind right. of thing. I'm trying to think of like who around then like you could have thrown into that role that would have really just worked. Yeah, I can't think of anybody either. I really don't know. My first thought is, oh, you're talking about someone that's got the big and got the job thing. Well, someone like George Clooney or something, but I don't think he would have been right. Yeah, I, th- I think it would probably would have pulled in more people. Yeah, Because you could see him. In that with like the jacket, like he probably oh, would have yeah. gone more like, give me the scarf. I want the scarf in the wind. <laughs> yeah. Like that would have worked. <laughs> yeah, but maybe his attitude, I don't think just his general demeanor and everything, I don't think would have worked. He's a little too easygoing. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. He now, I could see been. someone like a Brad Pitt would yeah. do it. Yeah. He could definitely put up a little bit more bravado. Uh-huh. And I think that was necessary for the role. He would have been like chewing gum and giving thumbs up as he's like dropping bombs on the robots. Like, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have actually, mm, I would have liked to have seen that. that good. <laughs> yeah. Gwyneth did okay. Cause she kind of has that 1940s, especially when you, when you put her in the, in the, in the outfit, yep. with the hat with mm-hmm. the little pillbox hat and yep. everything. She definitely has that look about her. Yeah. And certainly as the, uh, you know, the, uh, the go strong reporter you mm-hmm. know, camera girl or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think she did pretty good. Um, Angelina Jolie shows up in this randomly, randomly, just out of nowhere. She's a does she have an eye patch? Uh huh. Yeah, a Sky Commander. Yeah, Frankie something. Because I saw her on on the box art, and I was like, oh, okay, she's in this. And then I completely forgot about her. And then she comes on, and I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, no, I knew that. Well, we're we're like mostly into the movie. How? How did she end up on the post? Well, I know how she ended up on the poster, but right. the poster makes you think she's there from like scene one, and she's there in like the last ten minutes. Well, she's somewhere in the somewhere at the beginning of the third act, I think, and then yeah. it just disappears. Yeah, Giovanni Ribisi, who was a a big up and coming name at the time. Yeah, I like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him in this part. Uh, I think he probably could have done a little bit more with it. Because he was clearly like, you know, kid sidekick. I work on all the stuff and make the plane go good. And yeah. I think if he played it a little bit more like that, his character would have been even more fun. Because um, just that part where he's like, I'm working on a, on a, a, ray, gun. On a ray gun. And he's yeah. like looking through the hole he just burned. And he's all like, well, like if he kept doing that and just had that whole cool, look what I did, yeah. that would have been fun. Instead, he shows up at the end. He's like, I've got everything figured out. Yeah. There's almost you really when that. When he showed up at the end and he's got it all figured out and he's got he's got the flying car, he's rescuing him, thinking, ah, uh, he's like a bad guy now or something. That's what I yeah. was thinking, yes. <laughs> I said, okay, one of two things is about to happen. We're either going to find out that the bad guy is him this whole time or we're just going to see the bad guy in a chair. I was right. The bad guy was just sitting in a chair. He was dead. Right. <laughs> but he was in a chair, and I just remember going, he's in a chair! <laughs> I got it! 
I called that 20 minutes out. Yeah, it'd been a lot. I've just watched this film recently, and it'd been a while since I watched it. And when, in the end, when uh, Rubisi's character shows up again, and he seems like he's just on top of everything, he knows yeah. what's going on, he knows uh-huh. the big plan, and he knows how to work all the equipment. I'm thinking they're going to find some little blinking light on the back of his <laughs> neck or something that, you know, he's being controlled. He's, he's you know, he's turned or whatever. No, 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 that doesn't happen. So no, it, I was, it feels forced, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and I took it a step further. I was thinking, like, he's the bad guy. He's going to be like, no, and he's going to pull off a, a Dex mask. And oh, it's yeah. like, I was him the whole time. I made Dex to get close to you, Sky Captain. <laughs> That's where I really thought this was going. And I would have embraced that because it would have gone back to that old-timey mm-hmm. 30s and 40s. It's ridiculous. Like, keep going with that. That's how they could have done those things. Oh, absolutely. You need that the villain that hadn't been in the entire story and then just suddenly shows up. Yeah. A little bit like uh, like the Black Dynamite. With Yes. The, uh, <laughs> it just gets more and more ridiculous. Yeah. With, at, at the very end, the, the, surely this is the end of our, our, our hero. But, yeah. Oh, no. He escapes just in time thanks to some ridiculous plot contrivance. And then here's the real villain. Like, yes. Wait, who's this guy? <laughs> that's a very, that's a very 1940. That's very, that happened all the time in some of these serials. It would yeah. have been perfect. Instead, they were just sort of like, we got to end the movie. We yeah. got to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, and the, things like that of him just like showing up with like that flying platform, just like the plot in the, third act just kept showing up to save them it's just sort of like he's here and he knows everything he knows how to get you there okay and uh you know we've got that tesla coil that's gonna zap you don't worry i know how to just pull the cord out you know Mm -hmm. how do you know how to do that and then uh you know we gotta we gotta get on we gotta get on the ship oh no uh like how do we get the animals out of here she just knows that this is the button to press it just makes sense to her right Okay, how do we get out of here? All right, oh, that bad guy showed up, and now we have the perfect thing to break the ship. How do we get out of here from exploding? That door literally just opened and pretty much said, <laughs> here's escape. Here's an escape. Like, can the characters make some decisions? Well, again, maybe that's, honestly, that's a little bit more of the 1940s serials. I mean, they always ended on the cliffhanger with, like, your heroes getting surrounded by lava, and there's, like, no way out until the next episode when... The rope shows up. The rope shows up, or someone just, you know, wait a minute, I can just reach and I can grab this rock and pull up. Whoa, wait, where was that before? (laughs) Yeah, and I guess the problem with that is it works as a cliffhanger, not as, well, we're going to find out in 10 seconds. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Now, another thing, another interesting choice they did, and I remember them getting into a little bit of trouble with this, and this kind of started a little bit of the, uh, about using um, dead celebrities' likenesses Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, in the digital age, they use uh, Lawrence Olivier's likeness as the uh, the young, the hologram or whatever yeah. of the villain, mm-hmm. I guess, of of the piece. And they got in a little bit of trouble for that because I think they just did it. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, Olivier estate or whatever, whoever handles his affairs was like, wait a minute. You didn't you, talk We to need us. a little bit of the something <laughs> here. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoops. I thought that was an interesting choice. I, I don't know why they picked a Lawrence Olivier for uh, one thing. I was reading that it was Jude Law's idea. Really? That he Just said, a fan? Yeah, a huge fan said he always wanted to work with him, and this was the closest, closest way. Maybe that's why uh, Kerry Conran kind of never worked again. Because apparently he was the one that said, okay, let's make it happen. And since, <laughs> you know, you're just doing everything on a computer, mm. no one was checking him. Right. Maybe. I don't know why the studio said, okay. I mean, at the end of the day, the studio says, yeah, put that movie out. Right. It's their call. You think but, their legal department would have like, oh, you know, we, we don't know about that. Or, yeah. yeah, we asked. They don't want us to. So maybe they scapegoated him and just, you're not working in this town again. <laughs> yeah, you'll never work in this town again. Oh, that's what exactly what I was thinking. I was like, there was there someone from like Olivier's estate, you know, doing, pointing that, you know, the, the, with the cigar in the hand, mm-hmm. pointing the finger. <laughs> you're never going to work in this town again. Sacrifice somebody, Jude Law or this one. <laughs> Time director, <laughs> yeah, oh, poor guy. Uh, the overall look of the piece, um, I think it looks fantastic. I love all the ridiculous. I mean, the planes that turn into submarines and that's the kind of stuff. I mean, that is just. I think that's just awesome stuff. I mean, that's obviously stuff that you couldn't really do in the 1940s, but you could do in comics. Yeah, and it's like, oh, now we finally get to do it in like 
real life. I'm like, yes. that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the look, it was one of those things that pulled me in right away. Just the look of the city, the look of, you know, I wasn't a big fan of like the bat robot things, mm-hmm. but I like the other robots. Those just the giant iron ones. And right. then like the, the world, the world looking ones later. Um, I remember thinking almost immediately, this is Batman the animated series come to it live does action. Feel a little bit like it that. looks exactly like it, and mm-hmm. you know, setting it in that like, hey, it's the '40s, but well, both, there's no depression going yeah, on. Yeah, both both kind of using the same um, source material for their inspirations. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it. I, I just was like, okay, Batman's going to swing by, right? Just, <laughs> just just a silhouette, real quick. Like, That's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you almost wish there was a, a poster or a wanted sign or something yes. somewhere on the background. Somewhere. The Batman. Yeah, five thousand dollars for any information <laughs> that would have been awesome because <laughs> they had a lot of weird references all yeah. over the place they had like they had uh godzilla silhouette in a newspaper they had a reference to um the the ship that gets king kong the venture um they had just some like different like movie references i i, I remember reading that they said they put their own movie poster in this movie <laughs> which i thought was funny nice i'd have to go back and find uh, I that don't, i missed it i'd have to yeah, go back she walks by a movie theater at one point and their own movie poster is, nice. is I there missed that. oh that's awesome um so they could have done that because it looked exactly like gotham from the animated mm-hmm. series so that would have been fun just just wanted the batman yeah. <laughs> And that was the other thing I really had a lot of fun doing throughout this movie is talking in that voice. <laughs> Anytime something happened, like, Sky Captain, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely needed that newsreel. Maybe right. that's what it is needed. It needed, like, the newsreel narrator. Yeah, yeah, throughout the movie. Yeah, to to kind of fill in some of the, or as they're traveling or whatever. What will uh, Sky Captain do? Is he trapped? Yeah. <laughs> what he defeats and finds? Yeah. It's a lot of fun to do for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> didn't get old at all uh, I remember talking to somebody and um, you know we mentioned how I was you know inspired by these serials they, they've said if you actually kind of break it down to like little half hour bits you could actually sort of watch it as a serial sure because kind of, there are these little great sort of almost cliffhanger mm-hmm. build up to cliffhangers that but like you said get resolved kind of sometimes not so great and a few seconds later but you almost have to like you know stop it <laughs> right and then come back to it the next day and start it again and watch it as a serial i could see like with the dynamite about to go out, how are we gonna get out of here it's yeah stop yeah. <laughs> just stop right there what will sky captain do yes. <laughs> is this the end of our hero <laughs> find out next week <laughs> I would love to see like a fan edit or something. You I'll know. do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it with the voice. <laughs> you just need a, a you just need someone to do a couple a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you can do it with animation now. I mean, it's so close to it. You could just do a little bit of animation to fill in some of the gaps to kind of build up the 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 beginning, so it isn't yeah. just that hard cut and stop. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun, and it would probably play better that way. Like, I could see this doing really well like that as like a web series. Yeah, bring back oh, the sure. serial as a web series. I think people would eat it up. Um, and then I remember reading that this movie is considered like a cousin to Steampunk, Steampunk called Diesel Punk. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that would just like kickstart a whole lot of things. You'd mm-hmm. probably get some crossover there. Yeah, and it, maybe it's another one of these films that yes, I think the. Uh, the audience that is kind of aimed at is very finite, mm-hmm. but maybe the timing was off. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you would waited 10 more years, you know, uh, you see this coming out in 2014, yeah. effectively the same film, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not the same cast, but the same film in 2014. I don't know. I think maybe it would do a little better. I think so. Um yeah, and then you just would have had a lot more things kind of figured out. You probably could have, like, slashed budget even further because the technology was easier to work oh, with. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, but definitely a different different guy, at least a different lead. He wasn't bad. He just, I don't know, he's just not that guy. Yeah, he's just too calm. It, it, I think a lot of for me is the, his, the tone of his voice mm-hmm. or, the, or the, the timber of his voice. It's always very low and soft and... And it's like, yeah, that's great if you're trying to, like, woo me. But I, I, I want you to wow me. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably where I, I, I had the uh, the issue with uh, with Jude Law. 
this is just kind of how I am with a lot of movies, especially with action movies, is what are the stakes? What's the danger? And this movie did a lot to kind of like, you know, the serial of putting them in danger, but then quickly taking it away. If someone had died, if like a character we had started to care about died, Mm -hmm. but every time someone was about to die, they'd get away. And that even went to like Angelina Jolie's character. And I'm thinking like, you could kill her right now. Like Mm -hmm. she's, she's about to kamikaze. Maybe she should make make the sacrifice. Right. Instead... Don't worry. She's got the ejector seat and a jet pack, and they have a button for everything. Right. And I just, if, when that happened, I thought to myself, everyone's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to find decks. They're going to find everything they need to. No one's going to get hurt. They kill one scientist we don't care about. Right. We don't know. Right. And that's, it didn't feel threatening. And I think if it could have just upped the stakes, if it could have just taken out somebody, you could have just been like, oh, damn, maybe they're not so safe. Right. Uh, Frankie would actually be a, a, a great character to be the one to, to make the sacrifice and, and die, especially with the history, apparently, between the three main characters, mm-hmm. between Frankie, uh, Sky Captain, and uh, uh, Polly. Polly. Yeah. Uh, they apparently have history uh, there's mm-hmm. like a love triangle sort yeah. of thing going on and there's a lot of conflict between Frankie and Polly and everything and that would actually make it an interesting sort of sidebar to that story right and now like Joe is dealing with you know this woman that he cared about died and now maybe he's a little bit unhinged mm-hmm. and now he it's more about revenge than just stopping this guy yeah and <laughs> the other thing that got to me is just finding out there is no bad guy. Yeah. At all. Yeah. The no, bad guy just, died 20 years earlier. But his machinations are just plugging along. Yeah. And it's just sort of like there's no one there's no one to hit. So our hero hits the woman. <laughs> like <laughs> I remember being like, what the hell? He, why did he punch her in the face? But it's okay. She's a robot. <laughs> no, no, no. Not her. He punches out Polly. Oh, where he's like, oh, I hope you forgive me for this. And he clocks oh, her in the face. Right. And I'm just sort of like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> that is not. So there's no bad guy. He regretted his actions. I'm, I'm guessing he killed himself because he wrote, writes the forgive me notes. Mm-hmm. He's been dead for 20 years. It's kind of all an accident. And so our hero is the one who knocks out the innocent woman. <laughs> and it's just sort of like, I don't feel good about this anymore. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little dirty. <laughs> I didn't really like that part at all. And then, you know, she comes back and I, I don't know. I It just wasn't sitting well with me. And I'm like, she's rubbing the side of her cheek. You don't get knocked out from getting punched in the no, cheek. Glass jaw. Right. Um, yeah. So that part just like there's no villain and the hero punches a woman in the mm. face. Okay. It's the 1940s. It's a product of that time. <laughs> Even though it was made in 2004. <laughs> Oh, and the other part is they're in they're in the rocket ship, and you discover it's like supposed to be like a Noah's Ark thing, and right? Mm-hmm. Saving the animals, and the ship's kind of falling apart because they're sabotaging it. They're trying to bring it down, and that's when you see a giant statue holding a sword come mm-hmm. crumbling down, and the sword is coming, it's barreling down. It's going to take out the catwalk they're on, and all I could think of. They've established that this bad guy, who's dead, was a genius. He was a prodigy. He was brilliant. At t- got his first patent at 12, got his mm-hmm. doctorate at 17. He felt it necessary to put a giant angel with a sword of everything. He's like, that works with the weight of a rocket ship and, like, two of every animal on Earth. You're going to build a huge It's our deco, man. That, Go on. It, with yeah. this giant angels with a sword in it. Form over function. It's our deco. It was just, <laughs> I just remember thinking, like, he would not do that. <laughs> he would strip this thing down to the bare essentials. Hollow aluminum. It doesn't weigh that much. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> I don't know that part. I just remember going like, "Why is that there? <laughs> Why does it, that exist?" Because it has to knock down the catwalk That's to make fake there. danger. Because <laughs> yeah, as it's falling down, I'm thinking like they're gonna be fun. like they're not gonna get taken out. That would have been a good part. It, it goes and then maybe Polly dies. Maybe he dies and she saves the day. And you know, and she tells his story. And that's why there's no Sky Captain anymore. Something. <laughs> part of me kind of likes that likes the story and likes that the fact that in, in the end the story they're they're fighting against 
nobody, that they're fighting against just, you know, things that were put in motion by somebody. I, part of me kind of likes that. It's a great sort of mystery. They, they build up it's this whole mystery, what's going on, who's doing this, you know, where. So they actually have to follow clues and, and everything and and to get where they're going in the story. And it's actually, in some ways, is a little refreshing because there isn't the villain that's going to sit there and do the, the evil monologue and, you know, or the... Uh, uh, well, since you're going to die anyway, let me That's tell you true. my plan. You know, uh, they have to find out and figure out the plan on their own. And then I think there is a little bit of uh, the, the hologram kind of fills in a, a blank or two, uh, maybe towards the end. But in some ways, I kind of I kind of liked it, and That's I kind of like some of the story. And uh, as far as script goes, it's not the worst. I, I think no. there's some really good moments. There's some really good lines. Uh, I really liked Polly, who's limited by how much film she has in her camera <laughs> and has to figure out what she's going to take pictures of. Yes. And at one point, you know, she's got two shots left and then she trips and shoots I shot the ground. The ground. <laughs> and he just laughs. I love that. <laughs> yeah. She's she's saying, I shot the ground. I shot the ground. And he just bursts out laughing like that's the only way you can respond to that, especially if you're him. Um the moment when they, they're looking at the arc, it's being loaded. Animals, two by two, are being loaded, and she's got the camera, and then she hesitates. He's like, you're looking at a every animal on Earth, two by two, being led into a spaceship. You really think you're going to get a better picture? I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was appreciating that kind of like running gag for like mm-hmm. the second half of the movie. Um, what did I, you think of the payoff of that game? That I didn't like. You didn't, I didn't like that like, Well, the thing is, once they started doing that, once they started going like, I've only got two shots left, I turned to my wife and I said, her last shot is going to be of him. She's going to turn and get some heroic pose or just I love you picture. Mm-hmm. That, And I said, she's going to have some brilliant shot in front of her and she's going to turn and take it of him. I predicted that like with 30 minutes left in the movie. And then she did it and I yeah. just went... You see? You see how yeah. this thing ran by the numbers? And then he goes, you left the lens cap yeah. on. I went, we're ending this movie on a lens cap joke? Holly, lens cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I, I liked it. <laughs> it's, it's a dad joke. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. Maybe because Maybe because it was like, that's the last line of the movie, and it mm-hmm. cuts to black. It, there's no, like, you know... Going back to the city and being, you know, heroes. Like, if, if there were, like, two more minutes, if it wasn't the literal last line of the movie, something about that black directed by the... Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it... I liked it. I thought it was funny. It, it just makes me imagine, you know, her going back to her editor and trying to tell this story. And where's the pictures? Well... Here's one of the ground. Yeah. And here's the black. <laughs> Didn't really get any pictures. But right. trust me, it was awesome. Yes. <laughs> And if you had just taken a picture of any of the other things you passed on, <laughs> I thought it was interesting of, even though this came years before, how much those like flying helipads or the flying thing looks so much like the Avengers. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even with the person who's running it has an eye patch. <laughs> and I started looking well, up. Well, I wonder if they took some some liberties <laughs> lifting from some uh, some comic book. Well, that's what I was looking up. I was like, well, okay, when did Marvel first, like, when did S.H.I.E.L.D. first start using helicarriers? And it, from what I could find, if anyone out there knows anything different, it started with the movie. Oh, really? That really, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. just had like a glass dome. Hmm. And it was it was Joss Whedon that said, we should put something up in the air. Oh, I just assumed that was lifted from the books. Or So did I. That's why I needed to know, and I couldn't find anything that said it came out of the... It's in the comics now. Sure. But not... I couldn't find anything that definitely said before Sky Captain. Interesting. And so I'm just sitting there going, that's amazing. I'm <laughs> uh, sure they we've got look some, just like it. I'm sure we've got some comic book uh, uh, yes. fans and S.H.I.E.L.D. fans out there. Uh, we'll, I'll have to post that to the, the Facebook page and yeah. post it to Twitter and see if we can find out. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and then there were just other things that I just kept thinking, like, this is another movie. Like when they were in, uh, what was it called? Like uh, Eden or... Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other name? That? Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Uh-huh. And I just kept thinking, like, when they finally showed it in the background, I was like, this is Rivendell. <laughs> this looks exactly like Rivendell in Lord of the Rings. Like, spot on. And then when they flew, like, when they uh, flew in and they did, like, the submarine thing and they came up and they were, like, in the forest, I'm like, now it's Dagobah. Yeah. 
I'm like, this looks, it like, sounds like Dagobah. And then, uh, then they get into his, his lair and they see like all the flying things. I'm like, it's fifth element. Like how many movies are we cramming into this movie? You know, uh, you made me think of a couple of scenes and it made me think of one more thing about the, the, the script and everything though. And maybe this is one of these things that always kind of, I notice on films is the, the audience and who it's aimed for. And this film seems like it would be aimed for young adults, kids, uh, preteens, mm-hmm. you know, just looking for the, the fun action film and everything. But there are lines and, and, and some themes in here that just puts you off. There's yeah. like the – they land in like the – where are they? In the Antarctic or Arctic or wherever they are and everything. And the one guy makes a joke about uh, – um, Oh, it's cold. It, it, it's it, essentially, you know, Polly's uh, – it's cold and Polly, you know, Polly's body, uh, I forget. Nipples are hard. The nipples are hard. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? I can't, you know. Can't bring my 11-year-old to this. <laughs> and then there is the, the, the talk about, you know, he's, uh, you know, he cheated on Polly with Frankie mm-hmm. and that the whole, that story, which isn't a, as a grown-up story or whatever, is an adult story, fine. That's all fine and good. But this type of film, it just seems to me it would skew more to the younger ages. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's my issues with some of the uh, the Marvel movies and everything when they give them the PG thirteen and decide, oh, we can say the f bomb, right? Oh my god, jeez, you know why you right. gotta do that? Yeah, you take a lot of that younger audience out that could have helped fill some theaters and yeah, it's movies still struggle making that call today. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll always struggle. It was, it's just something that I I picked up on the last time I watched it. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, this would be a great film. This might be fun thing for me to show my 12-year-old and yeah. then I started hitting on some of these lines and some of these things like I don't want to answer the question about what he's talking <laughs> about with the cold and the, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll skip it. <laughs> come back to that. I'll come back to that one. Yeah. Yeah, so overall like I had fun with it, probably because I kept supplying my own commentary. <laughs> loved the opening, loved that first act, and then it just it really kind of just went downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, still enjoyed it, still was ha- you know like was not a regret watch at all. But I I just think that they could have done more with how it opened. That if they kept that going, if they tried to make it more like you could have done like the cliffhangers, even as a movie of you know the bomb's about to go off. Let's cut to see what a different character's doing. I was just thinking this, yeah, just thinking Let, the same thing. You know, thing. let's go see what Dex is doing and how he's like breaking the scientists yeah. out. And then he hits a cliffhanger and we go back to the bomb. And mm-hmm. you could have just done things like that and just have like, it's like, can we go back? Like that bomb was been was ticking down 20 minutes ago and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Just different editing process, something to change the narrative a little bit would have really made this a phenomenal movie. Well, and and you wonder, you know, you said they slashed budgets, and you wonder if they had given a little bit more money so they could have spent a few more days with the actors, could we have gotten scenes like that? Could you have gotten more backstory with Dex, or not backstory, well, yeah, backstory, Dex's backstory once he's captured, you know. He just said, oh, this is what I did since I was captured. Right. Thanks. You know, right. I didn't see any of that. You know, it would have been, would have been great to see. Yeah, exactly. And you could have used it just like you were saying. That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's one of these things that we will never know, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. I mean, yeah, it does have its issues. I mean, but I don't think it deserves quite the um, the bomb status that it gets. No, I don't think so. There's something was there. It just wasn't refined enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, like, you know, I think somebody could go back and try to remake this movie and, and do it right. Or even just not even as a movie. Like we said, like as a, as a you know, web series, it would mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. I think there'd be an audience for that now. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, any thoughts that you might have, go ahead and send them our way. You can email those to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash group slash timeshifters. And you can tweet us. We are at timeshifterspod and at movies at the Met. Look forward to hearing from you. Um, definitely, if you know anything more about S.H.I.E.L.D. and their helicopter carriers, <laughs> would like to know that. Maybe that's just one of these things that's just... It's it's going to happen. You're going to have a, a a giant carrier in the sky. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd love to hear any feedback or uh, comments on this or anything else. When we come back in two weeks, we're going to talk about something off of Matt's list. This actually came off his list. We're going to discuss Howard the Duck. Yes. Which 
I have not seen in ages. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it. Next time on the Time Shifters Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, thanks very much for listening. We will catch you next time. Bye, all.